Welcome to Funded by Source, a new conversation about expanded consciousness, creativity, ritual, and entrepreneurship in the digital age. Funded by Source is here to remind you what you already know deep within. We are here to weave a new story of abundance, one that's beyond logic, spreadsheets, and hashtags. My intention is to activate ripples of courage for you to share your own voice and medicine with the world, trusting that when you follow the whispers, you are fully funded by Source. In the world of outsourcing, we will explore the things that you can only insource, revealing the unique path that you came here to walk, creating your own definition of success. I am your host, Xenia, an award-nominated storyteller, guide, and creator of the Conscious Social Media Method. I am here to hold space of curiosity, play, courageous communication, and unwavering trust as we dive between the physical, the digital, and the unseen realms. Before we start, I have one question for you. Are you open to miracles? You are in for such a treat if you're ready to learn something completely different about dream world, social media, and new paradigm business. My guest is Jessica Shear, also known as Say Yes with Jess on Instagram. Jessica is a business strategist who supports indigenous communities and life economy businesses. She explains more about what those things are and how she ended up in the Amazon rainforest learning to interpret her dreams. Jessica has been working with Manari Ushigwa, a leader of the Sapara Nation, a spiritual leader, forest defender, and the teacher of the Dream World four-week program. And I'm so grateful for technology that we get to take in and embody some of the wisdom that Manari brings into the world through this conversation and also through the course that you will learn about. So this conversation is a beautiful intersection of indigenous wisdom, conscious social media, intuitive business practices, and so much more. Make sure you share your takeaways on social media and tag at funded by source and at say yes with Jess. And if the dream world conversation sparks your soul, make sure you check out dreamworldprogram.com. And if you are called to join the program led by Manari, use the code Xenia10, that's K-S-E-N-I-A 10, to get a 10% discount. Before we dive into the episode, I want to tell you about my go-to marketing tool and the sponsor of this episode, Tailwind. Pinterest scheduling with Tailwind helps you grow your business with more traffic so you can spend time doing what you love. For me, it's walks in nature, cacao, and yoga. You can create your pins right from your Tailwind dashboard and Tailwind Create is a new tool from Tailwind that allows you to create beautiful pins faster than ever before. You can generate, personalize, fine-tune, and schedule pins to drive traffic to your content in no time. I personally love Tailwind and use it and could not recommend it enough. Quick pro tip, I recently reached 1 million views on Pinterest and I attribute it to two things. One, using Tailwind to schedule and automate my pins and two, repurposing my Instagram reels and TikToks by pinning them to my Pinterest boards. If you haven't gotten into it yet, 
Give it a go. And if you haven't tried Tailwind yet, go to tailwindapp.com slash fundedbysource to get $30 off a paid plan. That's Tailwind app, T-A-I-L-W-I-N-D-A-P-P dot com slash fundedbysource. Jess, say yes with Jess. Welcome to Funded by Source. It was so synchronistic how we booked this recording very last minute. Just today, I was thinking how I have a couple of drafts and ideas for episode for tomorrow because episodes usually air on Thursdays, but they all would require a lot of prep and editing. And it just something was not clicking in. And I kept surrendering and putting on the altar, you know, what is meant to be released tomorrow. And you reached out to me. And in that moment, I knew that this is meant to be the conversation that is shared tomorrow. So thank you for following your yes and reaching out to tell me about the dream program. So let's start with your Instagram bio and I will read it out loud and you will explain to us what it is that you actually do. How does that sound? All right. So if anyone wants to follow along, it's say yes with Jess. And it says earth guardian, traveler, business strategist, supporting indigenous communities and life economy business. Join me for dream world on July 13th. So what do all of these things mean? And what does your day to day actually look like? So I love that. And that's a perfect place to start. And as you know, and probably many of your listeners who I know are also a very entrepreneurial and conscious community, an Instagram bio is such a beautiful way of self-expression in just a few words. And it can be a space where we really can do a lot of self-reflection in how we pick what we want to share. So for me, Earth Guardian, I put first and foremost, because at the core of who I am and what I think most of us are here to do on this planet as humans is to be stewards of this earth and remember that we are here as part of the greater network of life. And so for me, that might come through business strategy that might come through planting a garden in my backyard or different ways. But that's mostly for me as a reminder of what I believe is the important work that I'm here to do in this world. And traveler, I share because for the last three years, I've been a digital nomad or a nomad woman through the world and didn't necessarily want to choose that language for whatever reason. But I feel I've always been a traveler. I've always been somebody that loves to explore and get to know different people, different places, etc. And that is still my path. I am just back in New York for the last two weeks visiting family, but have been in Ecuador and Guatemala for the last several months. So that is very much me and business strategists supporting indigenous communities and life economy businesses. I, in the work that I do with clients and with other people is, has evolved over the years as with all of us, but I do mostly different forms of strategy in the online space. So how can people magnify their voice, their impact, the work that they do in this world using the internet as a powerful tool and the 
two groups, if I can sum it up, that I am supporting the most are both indigenous communities, which I'll share more about in this conversation, communities I've worked with in Ecuador, communities I've worked with in Guatemala, and hope for that to expand in my life, and also life economy businesses. And the term life economy, I learned through a friend and mentor called John Perkins, and he talks a lot about this concept of life economy and death economy. So instead of saying that there are certain careers or professions that are negative, in every career, there can be a version that's supporting life. So you can be a carpenter and be a part of the life economy, or you can be a carpenter and be a part of the death economy. So thinking about in everything we do, whatever our passion is, if we want to be a painter or a plumber or a therapist, how is the work that we're doing in this world a part of economy that supports life and supports evolution and the betterment of all beings and all things, as opposed to the death economy, which is our mainstream economy that's more focused on wars and environmental destruction? I love what you're sharing. And there's so many topics that I'm excited to get into with you. And I also just want to acknowledge your presence. It's so gentle and playful. It's really like bathing in sunshine talking to you. Thanks. And I know those listening to us can feel that through your voice. I'm looking through the screen, but you know, it's palpable through every aspect of your being. So where I want to take this is immediate work at hand. How did you end up working with the Sapara Nation, with the Guatemalan elders? What brought you there? And how did you know that you are meant to share your gifts and your skills with those communities? Awesome. So of course, as with anything, it's a long journey. But the short version that I'll share is part of the work that I've done for the last seven, eight years is really holding into following my inner guidance and listening to my intuition and knowing that even if I have no idea why I'm being guided in a certain way, I have to follow that path. And I know that you live your life and teach this as well. So life led me out of New York. And I think part of my process of leaving New York and going, having the knowing that I needed to be much deeper in nature and less in the grind was to slow down. And a friend recommended a book and reading that book, there was one little quote in the book from John Perkins, who I just mentioned from a book called The World Is As You Dream It. And this book was about dream change and basically how we can, how simple it is to actually change the world. All we need to do is dream a new dream. So we've dreamed of more highways, factories, et cetera, and we've created that. We can also dream of regenerative systems, a new way of running business, you know, anything is possible if we dream it. And he talks a lot about how indigenous communities have always taught this and have always understood the power of dreams. And that in the Western world, we do too, or marketers do too, because they paint a dream saying, I need this to be sexy or whatever the thing is. It's painting a dream, but we aren't necessarily taught that power. We're not taught to understand what our dreams mean at night or how to pitch a dream into our life. And um, so that book planted a seed in me of what is my dream? What is the dream that I want to create in this world? And what other knowledge is there from these communities? And then through John, I ended up in Guatemala and started studying with a Mayan elder. And through that process, I just had this, you know, I think when you're in the business space, in the space that most of us are in who are here on this podcast, you're always seeing in creation. So I'm learning about the Mayan sacred calendar. I'm in these ceremonies and I can't help but think, wow, this content or this content, this experience can be shared 
shared in so many ways. And for all the majority of people who will probably not have the chance to be able to fly to Guatemala and be in this sacred experience, the essence of it can be communicated online. And this amazing elder who I was studying with, he didn't have an Instagram. He didn't have a website. He did, there was nothing online. You could not find him unless you bumped into him in the street. And so it started planting this idea in me of, cool, I wonder what we can do here. I'm not sure and I'm not going to push, but it planted that seed. And about eight months later, I was at a retreat with John, same, same guy theme here. And he led the group through a journey and basically said, when you're on your deathbed and you look back at your life, what will you have felt proud that you did? And I think during those months, I was having such a tug of, is this work that I'm doing online, this strategy, this marketing, a waste? Is all of this like, why did I get gifted this lifetime with this knowledge, with this skill set? Just so many questions. And during that visualization, I just came out of it with the download of, I was given these tools for a reason. It's not bad. And with the prophecy, there's a prophecy called the prophecy of the eagle and condor, which is this vision of people from, well, there's many ways of interpreting, but basically people from the South and people from the North or indigenous people from a more Western background for this next phase of the world. The only way we're going to survive is if we fly together, if we become a team. And I just had this big aha moment for myself of, I can continue doing this work, but I can do it as an earth guardian, as a steward of this earth that can both be supporting these indigenous communities who I feel have so much to share and so much wisdom to sit, to communicate with the world and don't necessarily haven't carved a space in the online world yet. There's a lot of beautiful teachings about spirituality, consciousness, et cetera, but I haven't seen very much of it taught by actual indigenous elders who've been passing this down for generation to generation and also so many other amazing voices. So not wanting to limit it, but just seeing how can I use these gifts and have present it to be of service and then to bring it full circle to how I connected with the Sapana Nation and Minari. Very shortly after I had this vision, I had a not a freak out, but I felt like, how am I going to do this? All of my income's coming from this one direction. Okay, I'm going to give myself nine months to phase out certain clients or change my space. And within three weeks, uh, I was at an event in New York and the same guy, John, introduced me to Minari and said, Jessica's working with me on my Instagram. And Minari looks at me with his full headdress, face painting, everything and says, can you help me with my Instagram? Wow. Yeah, it was just basically went to heaven. I was like, this is my dream manifesting so quickly. So from there, we set up a conversation and got into the depths of like, well, what do you use your Instagram for? What is this a voice for? And continued on. And the pandemic presented a beautiful gift because he, having grown up in the depths of the Amazon rainforest, very far from technology, could never even imagine a reality where online courses were available or where you could do healings online. And so thanks to the pandemic, created this space where he couldn't use social media as a way to bring people to a tourism project. We were able to start shifting the mindset and say, cool, let's experiment with what about ceremonies online? What about teaching people to dream online? What about sharing a message about activism and forest stewardship through Instagram? So that's the long version of the short version. That is so inspiring how you didn't even have to go out and make a proposal, you know, or set up a meeting. It came to you when you cleared the space for it. And it's such a reminder that when we follow those signs or follow those whispers, 
source universe divine always puts us in the right place at the right time and i'm curious with this experience what have you learned so far you know two people coming together to work on manari's instagram you and him with such extremely different backgrounds with social media and marketing and business and storytelling what have you learned from collaborating you know with someone with background like his So the first thing that just came to me is actually owning my gifts because I think for the first several months I was so shy to give my perspective. I only wanted to kind of boost him. And one conversation we had, he said to me, "Just we're equals. Just in the same way you want to hear what I have to say, I want to know what you have to say." And even to the point of going to the jungle with Manari and being in the center of the Amazon rainforest, it clicked of you're not supposed to be any other person you're not supposed to come from that background with that world view you're supposed to have your world view and share it and from a humble place not from a place of you know from any other space but simply you were called in to be a team and to bring my perspective truly to be a team so i think for me actually that was really huge because I've been very sensitive to not wanting to push my agenda or come with a western mindset or too much marketing or too much this but actually to really see that is exactly what I need to be and to do it from heart which is the way I always have chosen to move forward in business is to really let it be a co-creation but to allow that to come through not to shy away from that and I think um the second thing I'll share is I've been experimenting for the last year and a half I would say with creating from a new place so creating from a place where it's me and the spirit of a business so coming to the place where i can physically feel a presence of a spirit wanting to be born and wanting to come into this world and knowing that it can exist in this world if i don't help manifest it you know if there's a message that wants to be shared online somebody needs to be the one to type the message or to receive the download and put it through and i feel that the work i've been doing with manari has allowed that for both of us because he receives information in such a different way and even in the simplest way but when we've posted things or posted a sales page or posted a post on social media he'll say like put your hand on your computer screen or put your hand on your phone to activate it so to literally activate the page or the post and do a little ceremony to connect and bring that spirit to life so it was something i already was doing but being able to witness his experience of the technological space has been really beautiful and basically taking weaving both of ours together to continue to learn i feel like right now that's also i feel what this podcast is about is allowing us to have these experiences with social media with technology with the work that we're doing and constantly be learning and getting feedback and i feel that that's continually been the process wow everything you're saying is bits and pieces that i've been practicing and sharing in this podcast you know blessing any content you put out there and something more recently i learned is co-creating with a being you know this podcast is not something i own it's a being that is coexisting and co-creating with me and we're both sovereign and it's so interesting that this is his approach and that's the natural way of being i'm curious how does that apply to you know something as western as social media strategy or a sales launch strategy you know how does manari view those things and how because it's not 
just him. It's like you said, your gift is coming together with it. So you're co-creating something together. You're ushers of this being together of the spirit of this business, these offerings. So what is your experience with those particular things? So the first thing that just flashed in is the first launch we did for the Dream World program, which is a four-week online live program with Minari, eight sessions to dive into the dream space from the Sapara Cosmovision. So he's from the Sapara Nation in the Ecuadorian Amazon, and they live by their dreams. Their dreams as a community, they look over them every morning to understand exactly what's going to happen, if they should go hunting or stay home, if somebody might get sick or not. Every single detail of their life comes through the dreams. And so in this program, he is transmuting that information to our greater community, basically for the first time ever. This was information that's been passed down for millennia, just father to son, father to son, to daughter, to child. And this is the first time it's being shared. So we launched this program last August, basically came up with the concept to launch in a week, just put it out there. And I said to him, to my best explaining the process of online courses and how it works and whatnot, but he was completely blown away that people actually signed up, that people from all over the world, that they found out about it through Instagram, that which was our primary way of sharing about it, and continuously was in shock. Each time somebody signed up was this like major shocking experience. And the thing that's been so beautiful, and he has said to me many times, he says, Jessica, you're the spirit of technology. And I many times I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't want to own that. But I can see through his vision, he can see how strong my vision is of the catalyst that technology can be, the power of technology. So I see so clearly, but of course, people are ready for this and the right people who are meant to be in this space will find out about it through whatever mechanism it is. I so deeply trust that. I've seen it happen. I've seen the transformations that have happened through the internet. So I can hold that vision and he can trust in me leaning into that vision. So it's really been a beautiful dance. Now we've run the program four times and I think it's still been the shocking experience, but he's now slowly starting to understand. But the word launch that doesn't exist. We don't even, you know, the, it's such a beautiful dance to be in this space of we're doing this together, but I don't need to try to even translate some of the marketing terms and just so on a deeper level, trusting, pulling the tools that we know. And I know you teach this too. Of course, if we have our toolbox of launch strategies, pulling the ones that feel right, but the bigger part is really trusting, is calling in, is knowing that, okay, I'm going to put this page out. I'm going to put this post up. The person that needs to see it will see it. The person that needs to read this somehow will read this. And I just need to be the person that's the implementer, the downloader and the implementer. And we're co-creating. So the co-creation will help through the wind. He has said that when we've done these ceremonies, he said, may this message flow through the wind and catch people. Yeah. You know what I'm connected to as you speak is spirit of simplification and the download I keep getting is I am meant to be a portal for simplicity and clarity for people and how they share their medicine online and on social media. And that's exactly it. We can know all of the marketing tools and the launch strategies and have the best affiliate program. And then we get so busy and stuck with all of the strategies and checking all the boxes that we don't respond to what's actually there and what's being asked of us and actually being present with those souls who are not sure if they want to join 
and are energetically sending you questions and you're not present to receive them and answer them through Instagram content that you're putting out. Because sometimes it's like that. Sometimes the question is not even asked directly, but we can pick up on it in the dream realm, in the energetic realm. And it sounds like that was exactly how you approached these launches. Exactly. So you mentioned something that's pretty profound, which is this is the first time we're the first generation that is receiving these teachings from the Sapara nation. Have you had a conversation with Manari of why now and why in that moment that you and him met in that room and he asked you about Instagram? What was it about where he's at and the work that he does that told him that this is ready to be shared and we can trust other people to hold this wisdom and to carry it and to embody it? Yeah, thank you for asking that. Manari is the leader the strongest leader, I would say, of the Sapara Nation. They currently are about 500 people between Ecuador and Peru. From their numbers that they shared, they believe that they were once a nationality of around 200,000 people. And through the process of intertribal wars, the rubber industry, diseases, colonization, their numbers have shrunk tremendously. So prior to Manari, his father was the leader. And his father took the course, which was no outsiders allowed in our territory. They're bad and we need to protect and stay in. When Manari was young, his father saw in him who he was and chose him to be the next leader. And Manari took the choice in understanding the shift in the world and going out, basically leaving. He grew up as a nomad. So as a nomad in the jungle, and then slowly, because of this role that his father gave him, got a high school education in a neighboring village, and then went out and got a university degree, and then got a master's degree. And as he started experiencing the world and understanding climate change and understanding these bigger challenges that we're facing as humanity, he felt that it was vital that this wisdom started getting shared. So instead of staying insular, which some communities still are, and I think that's a beautiful thing, he realized we're probably on the brink of extinction as a nationality. We might not be around for very much longer. Something like a disease or whatever can sweep through 500 people is a really small number, but we will do everything we can to remind humanity of the wholeness of life, of basically that life is one. He says life is a forest. We are a part of a bigger cycle and that dreams can change the world. And the way that they knew to do that was through examples that they'd seen in other communities, which is open and ecotourism space. So welcome people into their territory to have an experience. Only this year, things shifted because of the pandemic. And so it was really interesting because Manari said to me a few months ago, he told me, Jess, I actually saw in my dreams that I was supposed to do healings online, but I had no concept of it. So I couldn't even imagine how that could ever be possible. And he said to me, basically, you have no idea how powerful this work we've done together is because I've been seeing it. I've been seeing it, but I could never figure out how to do it. And even something so simple as Instagram, because that first meeting I sat down and said, okay, here's how you take a selfie. Here's how you upload a story. Here's how you tag somebody. He said to me, people always want to help or to get something from me or whatever, but nobody has ever literally sat down to show me the simple thing that I need to know how to do. 
that he wants to do, that he's eager to be able to be a part of that expression. But literally nobody ever said, here's how you do it. And so to me, these things that were so obvious, I've been supporting people and in my own life, you know, running an online based business and supporting people virtually for seven, eight years for Minari has been so revolutionary. And he takes it so seriously. And he shares that in the course that this is truly information that has been passed down generation to generation and never shared. But now is the time, especially right now in the world, there's this potential and it's happening of such a shift that's happening. And so to activate this spirit of dreaming and to get this community going, it's not only is it supportive to the outside, but it's also supportive to him. Manetti shares that him each dream that he hears from somebody is teaching him. He's understanding how other people think. He's understanding how somebody from Germany thinks or Canada thinks or what's happening in different spaces. And for me, being on this team and being a part of this vision, I think it's amazing if people have the chance to go to the jungle and have a jungle experience and learn how to dream in the jungle. But to me, it's more amazing if somebody learns how to dream in their own home, if they have a kid and their kid's waking up and crying in the night, or if they live in a city and there's honking sounds, to learn how to dream and bring these tools on a daily basis into our life where we live. And I know that you probably can relate to this in many of those who are listening, I like to see things as visuals. And the way I see it is little spirals around the world. So if our group is somebody in Europe and somebody in South America and some of the US, and we're all these little spirals activating these dream portals and shifting our life through this process of dreaming, it magnifies and basically creates this really cool ripple around the world that's not just in the Amazon, but it's everywhere. So powerful. And, you know, when you were sharing about the sacred knowledge that Manari is sharing now through the course, it really piqued my interest. So can you speak to what is shared in that, in the course, in the teachings, perhaps what your experience with it has been and how it's impacted your own dreams? And if you're called to share anyone else's experience, if you have their permission as well, whatever it wants to come into this conversation because I know people are on the edge of their seats wanting to know a little bit more about this. I would love to share. So firstly, the simplest is this course, Dream World, is sharing the Sapara Cosmovision. So there's many ways of seeing the dream space from almost every lineage has their own view. I think ultimately the source and the essence is the same, but we start with honoring that this is passed down through the Sapara lineage and that Manari shares the story first and foremost of where dreams came from. One thing I love about learning from indigenous communities is the storytelling and that everything is an oral history. There's no textbooks. So it's the stories that they learned of where did dreams come from. And for their community, dreaming is a space that our body gets. Basically at night, our body rests and our spirit goes to the spirit world. So we're going constantly, constantly to the spirit world. So it's our opportunity to receive information from other beings, other spirits, etc. So where did even spirit world come from? Why are we in two worlds? Why is our physical body in one world? And how is that kind of evolutionary story? Where did that come from? So that's where we start. And then Manetti shares the four levels of dreaming. So from their Cosmovision, there are six levels of dreams. There's dreams that will manifest tomorrow. So certain things that happen in the dream that we can immediately identify and say, okay, this is the scenario. This is going to manifest 
Like I wake up, this is going to happen today. This might happen in the first half of the day or the second half of the day. There's dreams that will manifest in two weeks time. There's dreams that will manifest in six months, dreams that will manifest in a year. And then level five and level six are dreams that only shamans can experience. So we don't go into that in the course, but he shares that there's other categories that only those who've gone through the years of training and journeys with different plant medicines and extensive journeys can actually go to. So we don't cover that, but he shares that that exists. And the beautiful thing in each level is understanding that the reason that certain actions manifest in different time is that the body and spirit need to prepare. So for the dreams that manifest in six months, it's because we need six months time to prepare ourselves emotionally. So maybe if we know something major is going to go down in our life, we need more than a day to get ready for it. So it gives that opportunity of, okay, maybe I don't know exactly what that thing is, or maybe I do, but I can begin to prepare and receive the clues and get on board with what that reality is. For me personally, this process has changed my life in many, many ways. But even in the most simple of understanding that dreams are information. So we're constantly receiving information. Some of it can be very mystical in that it needs a lot of interpretation or is kind of confusing. And some of it is just, that's what the dream is. So I've had many experiences, which I feel like were just teachers to remind myself of, yes, keep going with this. Yes, keep going of this, of dreaming and knowing that a friend was pregnant, they're pregnant. Dreaming and knowing that a friend potentially was having some sort of pregnancy complication, sent a text just saying, hey, how are you? And the friend writing back, so sorry to get back to you, I just miscarried. So having those clues come in or even seeing numbers, dreaming about something I wanted to buy and seeing the number and the next day asking, hey, how much is this, the exact number? Or my credit card bill, knowing the exact number of my credit card bill. And it's not to say that those are revolutionary things that will change your life, but they kind of are in the sense of understanding that the information we're constantly receiving is so real. So if we're tuned into the subtle information, we'll get tuned into the bigger information and some of the best downloads come in the subtle. I will say too, that when I started this dream process, I understood Manari shared something powerful. He said that recurring dreams happen because there's some aspect of our spirit that is not being nourished. And I noticed it myself, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely have certain recurring dreams. What am I not nourishing? And compared to certain people, maybe I do a ton of spirit nourishment, but if I'm remembering that I'm spirit first above everything else, maybe there's a whole lot more. So I started a little challenge with myself of cool, let me focus. I'm not changing any activities. It doesn't mean more meditation. It just means every action I do, how can it be nourishing? Is this nourishing my spirit or does scrolling on my phone support that? If I, the answer is no, I'm going to leave that. If while I'm eating breakfast and I want to distract myself, what would be the most nourishing is to just be there at that meal while I'm chopping my vegetables to just be there. So maintaining the same activities, but asking that simple question. And in that process, it led to cutting out a lot of phone time, not all, but a lot of phone time and cutting out, I think all Netflix videos, YouTube, et cetera. The first several days were super hard and it basically lasted five months. And what I noticed through that process is my dreams clarified so much and my dreams became so much more interesting than any show. 
And that was cool. Part of the reason that I also chose to do that is as I started paying attention to my dreams, I also started noticing how the show I watched or each conversation I had influenced my dreams that night and just brought in that layer of awareness and consciousness to every word we speak, every action we take, everything we watch matters. So whether we're tuned into that or not, and I wasn't as tuned into that as I had even thought, but if all of a sudden I started seeing things in my dreams and deciding, okay, that wasn't random. It wasn't an accident that I saw that person in my dream. Oh, I saw their post on Instagram. Do I want to dream about them? If they randomly come in beautiful, but if I chose for it unconsciously because I follow them on social media and I don't want to be dreaming about them or using my dream space, my spirit world space to be processing that thing, I can kind of gracefully eliminate it. I can choose that. Yeah. I think that that was huge. And then to just sit, share one more piece about my dreams becoming more interesting, focusing on my dream space and tuning into and understanding what I was dreaming at night and realizing, wow, my life is so interesting. I began to feel so nourished by my own life, by my own night world and day world in a way that I really didn't expect. So is there a ritual that helps you actually remember the dreams? And also, is there like an invisible interpretation tool? Because I, was, I would imagine that not all of the messages are direct. Some of them require some interpretation. Yes. Two things I'll share there. In terms of rituals, there are plenty one very beautiful and simple exercise that Minari has shared has been staring at a flower or staring at one tree and staring to another tree. And when he shared some of these different practices, I've understood that what he's doing is helping us appreciate and feel the details of life. And what he shares is that when we don't remember our dreams, it's often because our body and our spirit aren't very connected and that we don't have to do so many tricks. It's really being able to quiet the mind and be a united being. And that could be through a meditation or it could be through simply staring at a flower and realizing that's me, activating those feelings and quieting the mind. He also shares a practice of closing your eyelids when you're getting into bed and pressing them, squeezing them and staring at the dots, just doing little small things that bring us more into a feeling space. That being said, connected to the second question of how do we interpret the more mystical or interpretive aspects of dreams? The two pieces that I'll share is one is starting to understand the feelings that we have. So sometimes we might, when we wake up or in the dream, realize, wow, that was very interesting. I have no idea what it means, but how did I feel? Did I wake up scared? Did I wake up a little anxious? Was that dream maybe strange, but I actually feel so peaceful? Or how did I feel in the dream? And understanding that that feeling could inform the day, probably in a large way. So even if it's unclear what the interpretation is, the feeling can provide us with so much information. The second thing is we can learn from our own dreams. So Manetti does share from his perspective what many things mean, and sometimes that can be repeated. So even, for example, seeing a phone in your dream could mean that you're going to receive a message today, like a message will come to you. So we do go through that process in the course, but he also says there's no dictionary, there's no encyclopedia for every little thing. You write your own and it's a self-study. So if you notice, okay, this was my dream, it's the level one dream, so it's gonna 
happen today. It's going to come into my life today. If you pay attention to that day and at the end of the day, reflect and say, what happened today? What was my dream? Oh, that was what that was. We can start building our own dictionary and our own library to understand ourselves on a deeper level. Is there a recommendation to keep a journal to create your own dictionary? Yes. I think keeping a journal is so helpful. I think also Minari will often say, you don't need to do that. You can just remember it. I'm like, yes, that's because you've been doing this since you were born <laughs> for everybody else. I think it's so helpful to keep journal. And I think it's also such a beautiful process because it's something you can look back to. Like, oh my gosh, that dream happened here and this happened here and begin to make those connections. And I believe that that conscious process just supports us on so many levels. What was your experience dreaming in the jungle while staying with the Sapara Nation? I had many dreams of cities. I had many dreams of childhood friends. And I, the first time I went into the jungle was with Florencia Friedman, who's also been a past guest and a friend of yours. And we both had that similar experience. And we shared with Minari almost with a little frustration why would we be dreaming of the city if we're here in the jungle? <laughs> Why would we be dreaming of these people from the past? And part of it is it's our body processing and it's also our connection to the outside. And also many shares, which I've found to be very supportive is sometimes when we dream of people, it's because we're thinking of them. And a lot of times it's because they're thinking of us. So we're connect interconnected. And I feel that that's so interesting because also with the world of social media, I personally sometimes feel like, oh, nobody's paying attention to me. I haven't talked to this person in 10 years. What could I possibly be thinking about them or dreaming about them? Maybe they saw a post of mine and are wondering what I'm up to or tuned in or captivated in a way that I wouldn't know. And it's really interesting to see those connections happen in our night space. Outside of the dreaming, what was it like visiting that world and staying with that community? Because a lot of people will learn from Manari but fewer people will get to visit the Sapara Nation in their lifetime. So what were some of your things that really moved you, that you took away into your life? The most profound aspect was the feeling I felt in the jungle. It was so incredible to feel what it felt like to move through the jungle and know that this is just a couple hours away from the next city. It wasn't you know, it's not like we're on another planet, but I kept feeling like I'm on another planet. How could this possibly be planet Earth? I started to understand the concept of the spirit of time in a much different way, realizing that the way that we know time in the outside world and we're constantly very connected to seeing clocks and knowing the hours, all of a sudden felt like this completely different concept. There was an energy that was so palpable of the day and the night that you could feel. And especially beautifully going into the jungle during this time of pandemic and a time where the outside world has been in such an energy and largely a state of fear or unknown to go into the jungle and realize, wow, life goes on, life lives, nothing has shifted. There has been a shift because there's been a shift in the whole world, but that the spirit of the forest is, is the dominating force, which is so powerful and looking around and truly understanding what abundance is and understanding that life is growth. Life is internet interconnectivity. Life is the river. Life is all the trees, all the insects that you can hear at every hour and witnessing the shift that happens and all the subtleties. And in communing with the community, 
a million lessons and so many subtleties of just observing the beauty of people that are still so deeply a team with all the other interbeings around and at the same time embracing their role as people that are here to bring through a message and people that are here to, they they can't just hide anymore because if they do, somebody will come and swoop up their land, which happens all the time. So it's that interesting balance of we want to keep living our life and we're not, we're choosing to maintain this life, but also the youth are becoming artists and activists and writing lyrics to songs in their languages about what it means to be a woman defending their territory and getting into photography and taking photos in the jungle and finding this interesting dance of that cultural preservation and appreciation and living in harmony with the world around them and also continuing to be part of the outside world and figuring out what that balance is. That is so beautiful to hear. One of my questions that was brewing was, I've heard of communities in South America where the new generations, the youth, they're not so interested in passing down the traditions and their the access to technology takes over a lot of their interests. And it sounds like what you experienced was beautiful balance of those things. A hundred percent. I also think that the ecotourism project in the jungle has helped so much because it's allowed people to see people from the outside, people that are of this Western world that have created this dominant culture, appreciating and valuing their heritage. And that also is part of the vision. It's not just for an alternative income stream, but it's also to create a space where the youth want to continue studying and learning and being able to guide people through the forest and tell about all the medicinal plants or to wake up and learn the ceramics with their mom. And that's been beautiful to also understand the role that the tourism in the communities play in creating this cultural appreciation internally. I also think that the Sapara are very unique from what I've seen in terms of because they're such a tiny nationality, they're so united and they give the youth these leadership opportunities. So even within the communities, a 17 or 18 year old teen, which in the outside world would be doing whatever in high school is the vice president of the community and taking leadership roles and being put forth in these environments, both within the community and also when guests and friends come from the outside world. And there's both that youthfulness and also maturity that comes with that, that I can see these youth take seriously and feel pride in. That is so beautiful to hear. And you mentioned plant medicines. What is your experience having worked with the Sapara Nation as well as other elders and leaders with that world and how that weaves into the wisdom that they are passing on. For sure. So my personal experience with plant medicine has started with this community. I've been somebody that's always been very open to the plant world. However, I've never been somebody that's gone out and searched for anything. That's been my personality. I've always felt I'm open and if something ends up in my path, I'm here to connect and go with it, but I've never been searching. So I knew going into the experience of being in the jungle that ayahuasca would be a part of the experience because it's a central medicine of this community. And I knew how excited Minari felt to share that experience together because he said that we have a layer of friendship and connection and we're gonna be able to experience a completely other layer through doing this process together. Since 
that first visit, I've now participated in three ayahuasca ceremonies in the community. And the other, they also work with Floripondio, which is a very potent plant that can take you on a three-day journey, which outsiders mostly would not be invited to do. They work a lot with tobacco and in their community, it's a liquid form of tobacco. So it's taking tobacco and soaking it in water and inhaling the liquid through your nose, through your nostrils. And they also work with a plant called Chiricaspi, which is also a beautiful, subtle plant that you can chew on the leaves. They also have others, but I would say those are the primary, tobacco and Chiricaspi being daily plant allies and ayahuasca, which they call yauna, being part of the experience when needed, but it's a much more potent plant. So working with that plant for healing, working for with that plant for seeing visions for a specific intention. So I've now worked, uh, been in three ceremonies with Yauna, with Manari and other members of the community. All three have been incredibly distinct, completely unique experiences, which in and of itself, I think is such a powerful teacher in understanding that even when our mind wants to say, oh, I've done this, I got it, I know what to expect, no. <laughs> and my three journeys have also felt varying levels of very grounded earthly to the point of I have no body and everything is spirit and I am in the web of the many layers of life. And I think I'm still processing all of it. I feel it's been actually really beautiful to feel how there's been different experiences, including even being in a yoga class where I feel the wave of the ceremony reactivating in me and truly understanding that it's a spirit much more than a substance or a liquid or a tea rather than the physical. Truly, there's a spirit that enters us and that we interchange. And same with, I actually, my viewers, like the viewers, the listeners can't see, but I actually have some of the liquid tobacco here with me that Ksenia can see. I didn't choose to take any before this conversation, but I did make a prayer and had it connect with me to feel the spirit and to have the spirit of the jungle with me. And I think that that's something I regularly connect to is understanding that when we ingest something, we're also giving a piece of ourselves to this plant, a piece of our wisdom, our inside, our body, and that we're also choosing to say, I'm ready to see life through your vision. So right now I'm ready to see life through the vision of how NECA or tobacco, yauna or ayahuasca, and I'm allowing you spirit to see life through you by consuming you and welcoming you into my body. One thing I'll share is that the Sapara, if you go on their, the Naku website, which is the name of the Community Tourism Project, or look on Manani's Instagram, you will never see the word ayahuasca shared once. He will never basically speak about it outside, even though it's one of the most important plants. And that's because of the commercialization of the medicine and understanding that they don't, it's a very delicate dance because the spirit also basically has communicated to them what how things can be shared. And so it's both from his own integrity and from the community's integrity, but also just in deep reverence and respect to the plant and to the spirit, understanding what is okay and what's not okay. And that I have greatly valued and appreciated and I think is also just a lesson for all of us in understanding there's times where even when we have this cherished gift or even a gift that people are asking for one thing, uh, needing to have that respect relationship and that reverence of understanding 
the power and the role that these spirits play in whatever form, whether it's, you know, whatever our work in the world is, it's been beautiful for me to observe that process and see that integrity. It sounds like uh, ayahuasca is a secret menu when they get a yes from the spirit of ayahuasca <laughs> and they know that the person actually has the capacity to receive it and work with it in integrity. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. One thing I'd love to share on that is from the Sapara perspective, there's two ways that we can connect to the spirit world. One is through these plants and another is through our dreams. And Manari has shared that dreams is the natural technology that has been designed for humans. So we have this great gift that we can access every night. We don't need to consume anything. We don't need to do anything. If we're connected, if we're a connected being, we go to sleep, we dream, we remember our dreams and we're guided. We become our own leaders. We become our own guide and understanding, cool, what's my next step? Where am I going? What's happening in the world around me? And to me, that concept was so powerful because I feel that so many people are so open to plant medicine now, which I think is so beautiful and, and needed at this time. And I think it's also so important to understand that we don't all have access to plants. We're not all ready for that, but, but we actually have access to our own technology, our own intelligence system that's innately gifted to us as another tool for accessing the spirit world, communicating with the intelligence of the universe, which is through our dreams. That is so beautiful. And I'm called to ask you about the Sephara Cosmovision, because we've talked about Maya Cosmovision on this podcast with Florencia on episode 14, and also with Mark Elmi, who is a Mayan spiritual leader. And I'm curious how Sapara Cosmovision is different and what your experience of it has been. Thank you for asking that. I'll start by saying that from my experience of the Mayan Cosmovision, it's an easy Earth sharing because the Mayans have a book called the Popol Vuh. So the Mayan Cosmovision, the Mayan creation story is passed down in that way. In the Sapara lens in this last year that I've been working so deeply with this community, it comes through many different streams. It comes through storytelling, which is so beautiful, but it's not presented in the same way of a clear calendar structure or a creation story. But what I do feel is central to the Sapra Cosmovision is a simple phrase that they share, which is the world is one, the world is forest, period. My own interpretation, which I'm continuing to sit with, is understanding truly the unity and even saying the material world, the spiritual world, or the day world, the night world is an illusion. It's an important illusion to share because of how our constructs are. So we also need to present and understand information, which is based on where we are, but understanding that the world is one and the world is forest. The forest only is a forest because it's made up of water, of wind, of the sun, of the trees, of the critters, of the animals, of the birds, of all the layers of life interbeing and being a part of this greater network of life, understanding that the world is a great network of life. And I feel that those two simple phrases can go, you can go so deep, but also keeping it, as you said, simple is very powerful too. And my sense from everything you're sharing is that there's this interbeing, interconnectedness between your personal life, your travel life, and your business. The more of 
this work with plants and the dream world in their outer technologies that you do, the more it becomes all an integrated being that is part of you sharing your medicine. And I'm curious what your experience with that has been with how has your work changed in the inner expression of it, as well as in the outer, since you've really surrendered to this path of being spirit of technology? <laughs> it has evolved so much. It's still evolving. I feel that when I started my nomadic journey, part of what I was stepping into is truly saying through this process, the only thing that's my priority is trusting and following my intuition and allowing that to guide everything. So as I started getting these downloads of my whole business model needs to change, or I need to work with these certain communities, there's been times where my mind has had one idea, but I just know I can't force it. And even with this work with Manati, it started so subtly as a side thing. And then all of a sudden I realized like, wow, I'm so webbed into this. And we've created so many things. We've created this new, this business, this business and understanding where that's going and continuing to ask those questions and kind of finding that balance between going so deep into one world and then coming back and remembering what's my role? What's my role? Where's what's my work? And asking that question in the jungle, asking that question here in New York. So currently I'm still very much in that process. And I feel the thing that's been so beautiful is trusting the evolution, but also receiving the messages that there, there is an evolution. There's an evolution of me also finding my own voice and allowing that growth to happen, allowing a space of more financial flow and understanding that it's not necessarily from necessity, rather it's an energy that wants to flow through me, very much getting those downloads of there's an energy that wants to continue to flow in and flow out and flow in and flow out and needing to honor that. And also understanding I had, when this vision started of how can I support these communities and bringing their work online, I very much had the vision of how can I help these communities become internet marketers basically and be create their own thing and have their own space and really understanding that that's not necessarily what people want. It's not what Minari wants. He wants to be a team. He's not trying to learn how to do a launch. He'd much rather do it together and realizing that that dream can also evolve and shift and that this program that we're creating, I really feel is just the beginning, but have also explored with Minari. Cool, there's so many avenues we can go, but one avenue that I feel really strongly is a new space to be formed. And this is one aspect of it. And it's something that I can create. It's not necessarily about me or my personality, but there's space for that. So the answers are, are landing and I'm creating the space for that landing to come through and also understanding that I don't necessarily have all the pieces yet, but I don't want to wait till I have all the pieces to run our next course or see what the next piece, basically allowing each piece to unfold as it comes and creating space for myself in different ways, even including through Caro, who's a good mutual friend art, you know, witnessing the art process. I'm like, cool, that feels really important. I don't know how it connects, but I need to honor that. I need to start painting. I need to start drawing and activate that and trust that guidance. And I'm sure it probably will weave back in. That is so beautiful. This reminder to follow what wants to flow through us and where our energy wants to be taken instead of understanding why with our brain 
and then coming up with a strategy so that the, as my mentor, Michelle Sine says, so that the brain is in service of the heart and not the other way around. And in a moment, I want to get more into the dream program. Uh, so you can tell everyone how to look it up, how to sign up, how to learn, how to experience all of this magic you've been sharing with us. But before then, I'm called to circle back to social media and see if there's anything else, any rituals or approaches that want to be shared around how you co-create social media strategy and showing up online with Manari. I love that. The beauty I feel with his account specifically and the accounts, what we've worked on together is really leaning into no strategy. There's a lot (laughs) of strategy. I know there's a lot of strategy I've learned and I feel, and I think part of it is because I've never looked at it as a job. I've seen it as this beautiful dance of just co-creating. If there's two weeks where nothing's posted, awesome. If there's a day where three things are posted, cool. So really letting go of whatever I've thought to be strategy and also allowing a space that is a little bit messy. I've really wanted Minari to feel empowered in the online space on his own. And I've encouraged him many times, you can post whatever kind of photos you want, whatever kind of videos you want. He doesn't speak any English. So his posts are always going to be written in Spanish or it could be in Quechua, but usually in Spanish. And he said to me at times, like, you know, it's should I just have you post things because you can also write it in English. And I always say to him, no, it's your message coming through. And one thing that I feel is so beautiful that I've experienced with many indigenous friends is words are often less. So in the Western world, we love to write long captions or have these long, be very chatty. And I feel that many of the indigenous friends it's much more feeling and maybe it's a one sentence. And even if it's the simplest sentence saying, we're going to change the way the world thinks, let's say that's the sentence, the energetics of what's flowing through. And when somebody sees that they're feeling those words come through to me, that's everything. And it's been a beautiful dance between the two of us of me feeling totally cool to say, okay, he said this beautiful quote on this lecture, this workshop, I want to share it. And I speak English as my primary language. I also speak Spanish. So knowing cool, if I this comes through in English, wonderful. If it comes through in English and Spanish, awesome. If there's time for a cool graphic, cool. Or if Manari just wants to share a picture of a bird or an owl and write whatever comes to him, I love that. So it's really been this interesting dance of letting go of the strategy, allowing it to be a little bit messy, allowing it to be, there's no filters, <laughs> there's no presets, there's no... There's nothing specific, but allowing it to just almost be a for fun space. And then when we do have a program tuning in and seeing, all right, like what, what feed posts want to go up, what stories want to go up, how can we dance with reels? How can reels sometimes be a fun, arty thing and also sometimes just be a straight video, a straight message about activism, a talk about a beautiful story of a, you know, a jungle where the spirit of the serpent came from. Many different things, allowing it to be this vast space. And often it's been very beautiful and surprising to me to see what gets shared, to see what gets activated in somebody. It feels like a much more magical space because there's a lot more of the unknown. There's a lot less of the strategy and it's, yeah, it's been a beautiful dance together. I love hearing that so much. To share one more thing in the technical aspect, over this last year, Minari's 
Instagram account has grown from probably a little over a thousand, maybe 1500 to over 6,000. And that's just been through the dance of sharing. There's been, as I said, no strategy. There's been no follow unfollow. There's been nothing, just simply him showing up. And it's also beautiful to be able to see this process of figuring out the language dance, figuring out not need for so many stories because that wouldn't be so authentic, you know, so authentic for him or however it is, but letting Instagram be really simple, but also seeing how just even doing that has created this beautiful growth in the aspect of our courses. That's how people have found out about the programs, but also from activism, there's been so much amazing forest guardianship that's happened and activating the international community simply through Instagram has been incredible. And it's, it's really been so powerful, not only for Minari, but he's able to come to these oil companies that want to exploit oil in their territory and say, it's not just us little 500 people, it's thousands of people on social media that are activating with whatever message we're sharing that are willing to share this real explaining in 30 seconds, this deforestation problem that's happening or whatnot. So it's, it's been incredible. All through Instagram. I just want to reiterate that if anyone who's listening to this, if you feel disheartened by Instagram, this is your invitation to just unfollow and clean your feed of things that don't make you feel expanded and remind you what's possible and reflect your values. Because just what you're sharing now is such a profound reminder that social media is just a technology that we decide how to use and what kind of impact that we choose to spread. And I recently was in a medicine journey where I was given a very clear message that I was then called to share on YouTube as a video, a journal entry where I was told that stories that are alive, they're spirits. And when we share them, they go and do their work. And we can't always know what exactly that impact is. And that's exactly what you're sharing. And that's really the truth of why social media was created in the first place and why some of us are called to go and share our medicine. It's not to get the right hashtags, you know, and I teach the conscious social media program that lays out all of the outer, but really the juice of it and the important piece is the inner. The outer is there to, to support our brain and having some clarity and how to put it all out there. And in reality, it's rewiring the inner approach to how we show up online and what we allow to come through us that makes all the difference. And it makes me so happy. And I believe it creates so much spaciousness to everyone listening to us through time and space to hear this. It's so reaffirming. For sure. So with all of this magic and beauty that we just discussed, what is the best way for people to experience the dream work, to sign up for the course that's coming up, and also to connect with you? Give us all of the things. So as Ksenia shared, my name is Jess, Jessica Shear, and my Instagram is say yes with Jess. Uh, I would love to stay connected and continue connecting with this awesome community. My website is sayyeswithjess.com, which shares my fun musings of the world, blog post sharing about my learnings from different indigenous communities, some of my offerings connected to the business strategy, et cetera. And for the dream program, it is simple dreamworldprogram.com. We are getting started on June, what we are in June now, July 13th, which is in 
a little under two weeks away. So July 13th, it's a four week live course that's taught over Zoom and all of the recordings are available. So we have many people that participate live. We have many people that participate via recordings and the course really dives into these topics that we're talking about. So where did dreams come from? How, what are the different classes of dreams? How do we start understanding the messages and getting practicing in remembering our dreams and interpreting our own dreams? And one of the awesome components is doing it live, is getting that chance to dialogue with Manari and the other people in the group. We create space every class for Q&A. And many people say that it's their favorite part to just have this opportunity to really dialogue with an elder, to dialogue with somebody from these communities and be able to ask these questions. Manari leads the program in Spanish as that's his actual second language. His first language is Quichua, but he leads the program in Spanish and Florencia Friedman is our awesome translator and space holder and really transmutes the message and brings it through in English. So it will be a bilingual, fully bilingual program. And we also have a lot of fun resources in terms of some of the things we talked about on this call, journaling prompts, a ritual guide, understanding how we can actually really get ourselves ready to be in this space and practice these practices over the months and the recordings are available. So as again, that is dreamworldprogram.com. And if anybody who's listening wants to sign up with a special 10% off code, you can use Xenia10 to join us. A-S-E-N-I-A-10. Awesome. And do you think this will run again? Or for those who want to join live, they should just jump on it now if they're listening on time? We don't currently have any future dates set, but I believe we'll probably run the program again in October. So likely, yes. If you're called now, I would say jump in now, but always trust your gut, trust your intuition on what feels right for you. And who would you say this course is for? Is it anyone interested in spirituality and indigenous wisdom? Anyone who wants to translate intuition into business? All of the above? All of the above. I really feel there's many people that have come into the program saying, I've been studying dreams for 10 years. I have so you know done tons and tons of dream journals and folks who say, I can't remember my dreams at all. And my feeling is it's for everyone. I think that this is such a beautiful key tool to life that we were never gifted in our school system in the same way that everybody would find value in learning about their body or nutrition or whatnot. We dream every night. And so this is such an amazing tool. And I think in these times, whether somebody who's listening is an entrepreneur or just a curious human being, we're in such potent times of finding new ways to receive information and new ways to decode the information we're receiving. And this is a powerful space held for that. And Manari is a very gifted leader and healer that I will say it's been so beautiful to see how deeply he holds space for this process and he, how deeply he is connecting to each person in the program, whether you're on live or not through the spirit world. And if you want to check out Manari, I hadn't shared yet, but his Instagram is Manari Ushigwa. M-A-N-A-R-I-U-S-H-I-G-U-A. And that's also MinariUshigwa.com. Awesome. I will make sure to share all the links on the show notes on fundedbysource.com. And I also wanted to bring to your attention that when you sign up for the program, it directly supports the cultural preservation and forest protection efforts by the Sapara Nation and the Ecuadorian Amazon. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. And it's a really powerful 
process to be a part of that and see directly how that works and to just even share a little more because I think many of us hear those things and don't know what that really means. But I can say from being on the ground, especially in this past year of COVID times, most of these communities, the only alternative income stream has been tourism. So all these communities need money at this point. There's no, very little, not much, but there's no reality where people don't need money, partially because these lands are constantly under threat and these communities need to mobilize and get their butts from the jungle to cities to do protests or to speak with key players in the government or to even hire a lawyer to fight a big oil company. And so the actual needs or even buying a drone to surveillance for illegal cutting, it's that level of forest defending. And on top of that, understanding that their children need a certain amount of Western world education to learn how to even interact with these people and learn how to be foreign defenders of the next generation and funding their own schools, funding their own developments of how do we want to teach our kids both in Eastern and Western philosophies or indigenous and Western philosophies. So there's a lot of minimal needs, but the needs exist. And if people can't find it from these alternative sources like ecotourism, often people end up working in logging, illegal logging, or on an oil rig, or in these ways that are part of this death economy. And so through these processes of these online courses, and not only activating our vision of the dream world, but being able to support these communities directly financially, I've seen how the Sapara Nation this year was one of the few indigenous nations in Ecuador that was able to say no to logging companies, that was able to say no to oil companies with their foot down and not feel this pressure of, you know, a year of lack of income or whatnot. So it really is very powerful what we're able to do together. That is so powerful. And it's really such a beautiful new paradigm activism, because not only by signing up for the course, you're contributing to all of what you just mentioned, but also everyone who is part of that group becomes like a lighthouse that gets to carry the medicine that is meant to be continued on with the legacy of those who are called to it. So thank you, Jess, for saying yes to the, to being a carrier of this medicine and for this conversation. And before we wrap up, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you feel called to share? I don't think so. I feel so full. This is such a beautiful conversation. And yeah, I can feel our hearts reaching far and wide right now. Beautiful. Thank you so much. All the show notes will be unfunded by source. Jess, thank you for doing what you do. And I probably see you in my dreams. Thank you, Ksenia. Thank you for having me. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing down what moved you. When we notice abundance in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on FundedbySource.com. Subscribe to Funded by Source on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating and a review and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.